0: Thank you, Ruthann. Thank you, Anita. You think about Christ, we for a number of weeks been discussing Mark chapter 15 as it relates relates to Christ. And we know that on the cross when he died, he said, It is finished. And we're taking a couple of weeks to amplify what that means when Christ said it is finished. And this morning, we will look maybe more at some of the practical side of it is finished. We know that Scripture is profitable for doctrine, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. We'll probably focus more on the correcting and the training in righteousness this morning. And I have a couple questions I'm going to pose to you. And I would like for you to think about them as we interact with Scripture this morning. Is it sin to be tempted? Is it sin to be tempted? Does the fact that you are tempted mean you are an unworthy saint? Does God's view of you change when you are tempted? We are tempted. Does God's view of us change? Does God's view of you as a believer change when you sin? I think we all sin at least once a year. We won't go beyond that. Is victory over temptation over sin by faith or by trying harder? Think about those as we get through. And if you can think about something else, as I asked you last Sunday, but maybe pick out a different one this Sunday, a sinner temptation That you battle with. And as we discuss Scripture, apply it to what we discussed this morning some sin or struggle or temptation with which you battle. Trace it throughout the sermon. Now keep in mind, Christ said it is finished. That means to be placed in a condition of finality. It was completed once for all, it was completed at a point in time with permanent, enduring results. So when Christ was on the cross, he said it is finished. He completed for all time two items. First of all, payment for sin. The penalty was paid. He also completed for all time victory in daily life. He broke the power of the enemies for all time. So it was completed at a point in time, and it continues into the present. Both the penalty being paid and the victory in daily life is dependent 100% upon Christ. Now we choose to respond to what Christ has done, but he has provided the victory. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. As we think about the book of Colossians Christ is central in Christ with Christ through Christ are you or those terms are used over 20 times in Colossians 1 and verse 1 through chapter 3 and verse 4 He mentions in verse 4 of chapter 1 their faith in Christ In verse 14 of chapter 1, in whom we have redemption. In chapter 1 and verse 16, for by him or Christ all things were created. Verse 17, in him all things hold together. In verse 19, in him dwells all the fullness. Through him, in verse 20, to reconcile to himself all things. In chapter 1. And verse 27, Christ in you. In verse 28, we may present every man or everyone perfect in Christ. In chapter 2 and verse 3, Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of the wisdom and knowledge. Paul writes to the believers in Colossae, he's lifting up Christ. Because they were being tempted to be led astray, to follow other beings that would point them to God. And Christ being one of them. And Paul is saying, No, it's Christ and Christ alone. Let's pick up reading with chapter 2 and verse 9. Chapter 2 and verse 9 of Colossians. For in Christ all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. And you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head of every power and authority. In him You were also circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature, not with a circumcision done by the hands of men, but with a circumcision done by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ, He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Skipping down to verse 20. Since then you died with Christ to the basic principles of this world, why is though you still belong to it. Do You submit to its rules. He's writing to those who have repented of sin and have come to faith in Christ. He's emphasizing Christ, explaining what is in Christ. And in chapters 1 and 2, he is saying you have all that you need for the penalty of sin to be taken care of, all that you need to live in victory over the world, Satan. And your own sinful nature. Notice. In verse 9. For in Christ. All the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. When Christ was on this earth. The fullness of deity lived in him. He was deity. Fully God. And. You have been given fullness in Christ. You come to faith in Christ. You're filled full. You remain full. That cannot be emptied. The Greek is, you were filled, you remain in a state of fullness. It's not dependent upon how well you live. It's not dependent upon whether you're tempted. It's not dependent upon whether you sin. It's dependent upon Christ and what he has done and that faith in Christ. And notice, the fullness is in Christ who is the head over every power and authority. We think about the spirit world. We think about the evil spirit world. We've been given fullness in Christ, who is the head head over every power and authority. He goes on. In him, you were also circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature. Not a circumcision done by hands of men, but with a circumcision done by Christ. We battle with sin. We have temptations. But what happened? He says, putting off of the sinful nature. We're tempted to do wrong. The power of the temptation has been broken through Christ. So we can say no. So whatever sin or whatever temptation you're struggling with in Christ its power has been broken when Christ said it is finished the power of the sinful nature was broken and that is because we were buried with him in baptism and raised with him we illustrated that last week <clears throat> we illustrated last week had a pencil today I'll have a scissors and if i put that scissors in my pocket And I take my jacket off and lay it on the organ. Where's the scissors on the organ? Because whatever happens to the jacket happens to the scissors. So when Christ died, we died. When Christ arose from the dead, we arose from the dead. And then in verse 13, he says, God made you alive with Christ. Not only did we die with him, we were raised with him. And then in verse 15, having disarmed the powers and authorities. They're disarmed. Satan, his demons, having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. They were disarmed when Christ said it is finished. They were disarmed. And that remains true. As we live, and sometimes we say, Satan tempts, he's so very powerful. But he's already been disarmed. Count it to be true. And then in verse 20, since you died with Christ to the basic principles of this world, why as though you still belong to them till you submit to their rules? The power of the world system to lure us into thinking incorrectly Has been broken. So when we think about it, it's finished. We think about the cross of Christ. The believer in Christ is dead to Satan, the world, the sinful nature, and alive in Christ. This is reality, it's a fact, it's position. And when I use the word dead to, it means to be separated. And I'm going to illustrate the idea of the removal of death. I have three books here that are held together by a bungee cord. What did I do? The books are now free from being bound. When Christ died on the cross, we died to the power of Satan, the world system, and our sinful nature. That's what the cross did. It is finished. We've been separated from its, or from their, power there's other references, Hebrews 2, John 1, John 2, or 1 John 1, 1 John 2, Romans 6 through 8, that would bring out the same truth. That's what was done at the cross. So we have sin, we struggle with, we have temptation. It's been broken. We count it to be Broken. Now let's go to another passage of Scripture, then we'll come back to Colossians. Let's go to 2 Peter. First and 2 Peter are written to saints who are going through persecution, difficulty for their faith in Christ. In 1 Peter 1, he clearly talks about being in Christ. And then in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. 2 Peter 1 and verse 3. His... God's divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Now, emphasize in verse 3, his, God's divine power has given us everything everything we need for life and godliness. He's given us everything. God, I need help. I need more from you. He says, I've given it to you. I've given you everything that you need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his glory and goodness. Through these, his glory and goodness, we have great and precious promises so that we can participate in the divine nature And escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. We have what we need. So he says for this very reason. Make every effort to add to your faith. Now go back to chapter 1 of 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. In God's mercy, he has given us a new birth. It's a living hope, and it's through the resurrection of Christ from the dead. Again, what Christ has done. Accomplished in the past, remains true in the present. But it's a new birth into a living hope. Referring to what we call born again or the second birth. Stupid question maybe, but I'm going to ask it anyway. All of us here this morning have been born physically. Can you become unborn you can't. You've been born. You live for eternity future. He's given us a new birth. We're born into God's family, in a relationship with God, with Christ, into a living hope through Christ, into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. In First Peter 1, We have the new birth. In 2 Peter, he's given us all that we need. To illustrate all that we need, this cup is going to represent you. What's in this picture, which is to represent Christ, would be unending. But I don't have unending color liquid in here. But what happens when a person comes to faith in Christ? They have been given all that they need for life and godliness. They have been filled full, and I probably get out of tippy a little bit more, but they remain in a state of fullness. We struggle and we say we're weary spiritually. You're still in a state of fullness in Christ. You still have All that you need for life and godliness. And going back to Colossians chapter 2. You've been filled full and you remain full. So when Christ cried it is finished. The believer in Christ can be fully and is fully accepted and fully equipped. Period. The believer in Christ, the penalty has been paid, the victory has been won. So the believer in Christ is fully accepted and remains in that fully accepted position because of Christ. We don't always live that way, but we remain in that position. But we're also remaining continually in a state of fully equipped. We don't have to say, God, you didn't give me enough to deal with this temptation. He says, I filled you full in Christ and you remain full. You have all that you need for life and godliness. It's there. The tank is always full. You're always accepted in Christ. So do we have to say, God, I need more. He says, I've given you all that you need. Now with that in mind, let's go back to Colossians now in chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. And again, be thinking about the sin or struggle or temptation that you picked out. In Colossians 3 and verse 1. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. When Christ came from the dead, who else came from the dead? The believer. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then will you also appear with him in glory. So we've been raised with Christ. Our life is hidden with Christ. Christ is our life. And when he appears, we'll appear with him in glory. Then notice what he says in verse 5. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and so on. In light of this being raised with Christ, the fact that you died with Christ, your life is hidden with Christ, and you're going to appear with him in glory, he says, put to death. We can put to death sin and temptation because we've been filled full. We have died. The band has been broken. But then he says in verse 12, therefore, as God's chosen people and holy, or holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness and so on. Living in Christ is relying, responding, to our being in Christ, who is our life. We've been raised with Christ. We have died with Him. He is our life, and we're going to appear with Him in glory. So the Christian life, as we respond to obedience, as we deal with struggles in life, it's responding to who we are in Christ. It's not a matter of trying harder. Well, I'll try harder to not sin. I'll try harder to do right. I'll rely, I'll rest in what Christ has provided. So take the struggle or temptation that you have. You think, wow, I got to keep a focus on this sin, this temptation that I don't yield today. Now you've chosen to live a sinner, sin-centered or temptation-centered life. We have a temptation to sin. Lord, I don't want to yield to this temptation. Its power has been broken. I am in Christ. I died with Christ. I've been raised with Christ. I want to obey. Rather than having lust, I want to love. So today, Lord, when I'm tempted, bring it to mind because I want to count myself dead and alive. And that becomes a pattern of life. Renewing the mind. Romans 12. Philippians 4.8. Whatever is true and so on. You've already filled me full Christ. The power of sin has been broken. And I have victory. We count. ourselves Dead and alive. Thursday and Friday, or part of Thursday and Friday, I went beyond State College away to an ordination council of a friend of mine. And especially in the way home, for a variety of reasons maybe, I was just battling with some thoughts that were wanting to go down the wrong path. I guess the Lord was giving me opportunity to practice what I'm preaching on. I thought, Lord, I'm tired of this temptation. Well, the temptation was not the issue. I had to come back to and say, okay, Lord, my mind wants to go the wrong path. I've been filled full. I'm complete in Christ, the power of Satan, my own sinful nature, and the power of the world system has been broken. I'm dead to that. The band has been cut. I'm alive to casting this on you and renewing my mind. And I couldn't tell you how many times I had to do that in the over three hour drive that I had. But in Christ, the victory has been won and the penalty has already been paid. It is counting or reckoning yourself dead to and alive to. Just day by day. Penalty paid. Victory won. Living in light of that day by day. Jerry, you want to take me to the questions? And as we think about that, let's respond to the questions that I raised earlier at the beginning of the sermon, as it relates to how we live and how we respond. And the first question that I had posed, is it sin to be tempted? What do you think? Is it sin to be tempted? Not sin to be tempted. But how many times do we say, Oh, I'm tempted again. What's wrong with me? Nothing. You're living on earth. It's not sin to be tempted. How do we respond to it? Does the fact that you are tempted mean you are an unworthy saint? Pardon? No. Doesn't mean you're an unworthy saint because being a saint is dependent upon whom? Christ. And what he has done. Does God's view of you change when you are tempted? God's view of us does not change. We're tempted. Because how God sees us is through Christ, who already paid the penalty and provided the victory. Does God's view of you change when you sin? No. He don't want you to sin. He's provided the victory. But your position before him, your view, his view of you does not change because it's dependent upon Christ. Now our sin is going to affect our fellowship and how we respond, but his view of us does not change. Is victory over temptation by faith or by trying harder? Faith. faith. We live in light of what God has said That we have died and we have been raised and Christ is our life. We count that to be true and we respond to it. Now to illustrate faith, I'm going to ask Tom Cease if he'll come up here a second. This chair will hold you Tom, it is safe, would you please sit down. Thank you. What did Tom do? Exercise faith. He didn't pick up the chair and examine it and put a 200 pound or 300 pound or 400 pound on before he just sat down. Thanks, Tom. That's what faith is. God says, I'm dead to this temptation. I take him at his word and I respond accordingly. I'm alive to Christ and I put on what God tells me to put on. in the days and the weeks to come, think about being in Christ. That when Christ said it is finished, the penalty was paid, the victory has been won.